Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 233. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he can moonwalk almost as good as he can podcast, Pat Flynn. What up, everybody? Thanks for being here. This is session 233 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And of course, I'm Pat Flynn, and you are awesome, and I wanna make sure your time is well worth the half hour we're gonna be spending with each other today, and it will be because we're gonna be talking with Shayna, who is an, has an amazing success story to share about how she started a site called EspressoEnglish.net, which was built to help people learn English as a second language. She was teaching English, and you'll hear her story uh, and, and exactly how it all unfolds, and the thing is, and she mentioned this when she initially emailed me over a year ago when she was you know, offering to be a guest on the show. Um, she had been, been mentioning that, you know, this definitely did not happen overnight. And you know what? Most online business success stories do not happen overnight. It's a long journey. It's a marathon. And that might sound kind of crazy because on the surface, many stories that you hear about do seem like they tend to happen overnight. But I promise you they don't. There's always this underlying story of, of struggle and a lot of time that goes behind a lot of the success that people share online. And even with my story, a lot of people see that, oh, I published this ebook in 2008 uh, on a site that was helping people pass an architecture exam and I just had instant success. Well, that definitely wasn't the case because what most people find out after digging deep into that story was that that site had been up for almost a year and a half, building authority, I was building relationships, gaining authority in certain forums and whatnot related to the architecture industry. And by that time, Google had ranked a lot of my content that I had posted for free on that site quite high for related keywords. And it wasn't until after a year and a half since the site started that I finally began to monetize. And uh, most success stories, like I said, do take some time and a ton of effort behind it. So uh, Shayna's is, is not any different, but um, she wanted to stress that and just help encourage everybody out there who may be in that struggle right now or who is putting a lot of time and effort and not seeing results yet. Well, she's seeing results now and we're gonna get right into that. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely, Pat. It's great to talk to you. 
So I'm really excited to get into your site, EspressoEnglish.net, which is an awesome name. But before we get into that, I just, first of all, thank you for being here. I'm really, really thankful that you emailed me almost a year and a half ago because I had asked my audience, and I always ask my audience every once in a while, but I had asked my audience on the podcast in a specific episode for success stories. And I had about 500 or 600 come in and my assistant Jessica and I, we put them all in a spreadsheet and we just, I'm like, how are we gonna figure out which ones to select? Because they're all amazing. But you have a very special one, I think, because I think it's more realistic. You know, we hear a lot about these incredible success stories that sometimes seem to happen overnight. We all know that they don't, but sometimes they seem like they do. Um, But yours specifically, in your email, you said, you know, my business journey has not really been all of a sudden. Uh, It didn't take off like a rocket ship, but it was a very slow and steady, continuous process of iteration, implementation, setbacks, and progress. And that's exactly why I'm I'm excited to have you here on the show. So, you know, why don't we get into into your story? Like, what what is EspressoEnglish.net and how did it all get started? Yeah, so Espresso English basically teaches people English as a second language through online courses and eBooks. And I was originally an English teacher uh, in Brazil, and so I was giving offline classes, um, group classes, private classes, mm-hmm. a lot of students wanting to learn English for their careers or travel. And basically, a lot of my students were missing the class, either because of traffic or kids or work commitments. And they would miss up to 33% of their classes, and it was really affecting their progress. And so they would ask me, hey, Shana, I, I can't get to class. I'm really sorry. But could you just send me maybe the notes by email and I'll just study on my lunch break. And I said, yeah, I can do that. And I figured as long as I'm sending out those short and sweet English lessons by email, I might as well post them online too. And so that was kind of the genesis of uh, the site. Very cool. And how long ago was that? That was, um, let's see, beginning of 2012. Okay, so quite a while now. And so that was the genesis. How did that turn into this very successful online business now? All right. Well, as you know, it was a long journey. Uh, In the beginning, I was just writing post after post. I would give a lesson in the classroom and I'd literally just come back home and type it up and post it. And of course, I originally had, you know, maybe 12 readers, which were my students, right, in the classroom. (laughs) Um, It would be depressing to look on Google Analytics because it was just kind of tumbleweeds, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as I posted and started to build up kind of this content library, I slowly started to get somewhat noticed by Google. And traffic started to come in. And about six months in, uh, I decided to launch an ebook because I'd read from your story and a number of others that ebooks were a good way to monetize a site. And so I published my first ebook, uh, 100 Errors, Common Errors in English. And guess how many sales that got? Zero. Actually, a little better than that. Oh, but it was about <laughs> It was about seven over the course of the first couple weeks. And I was kind of like, okay, this is it's a start. Can't quit my day job just yet. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but I kind of figured, okay, if I can, if seven people found this valuable enough to purchase and I got good feedback from, from those readers, then I think I can improve and grow from here. I see. And this ebook, was it sold directly on your website? Was it sold on Amazon? How was it delivered? Directly. It was just a PDF. I typed up in Word, saved as a PDF. And when someone purchased, this was really old school. When someone purchased, they get redirected to a thank you page that uh, had them enter their email again, and then they'd get an email that had the book. So it was really kind of convoluted, but it did work for that kind of minimum, minimum of the minimum viable product. Right, right. And I'm guessing that you don't use that particular strategy uh, at this point in time. 
No, I've uh, gotten a little more sophisticated. <laughs> and we'll, we'll lead up to that for sure. But okay, so you sold seven. I think a lot of people, you know, six months into it especially, might feel a little bummed from those numbers. Were you feeling bummed and what made you keep going? I was feeling a little bummed because I had been kind of reading up on all these amazing case studies, right? And, you know, case studies are wonderful. They're inspiring and, you know, they make you see what's possible. But then when your thing doesn't kind of get up to the numbers of the case study, you think, oh, maybe this doesn't have a future. And that's kind of a dangerous trap to fall into because actually the more course creators I talk to, the more I find out that most of them had less than 20 customers their first go around, right? Because we're learning. We we don't know how to do a launch yet. You know, we're just kind of um, figuring it out. And so uh, from there, I'm not sure exactly what kept me going. Maybe just that certainty that I really want to make this work. You mm-hmm. know, I want to do whatever it takes because uh, I really, not that I hated teaching offline, but I had um, a long commute and I had a lot of unpaid prep time and kind of a lot of these hurdles that teachers everywhere uh, face. And so I really wanted a source of income that was independent from, you know, the traffic and the the whims of the school's scheduling. So that was kind of what drove me to continue. But it did take me a little while to work up the courage to launch something else. And when I did that, I took a slightly different route. I actually asked my audience what they wanted. Oh, very good. <laughs> what was it that they wanted? Well, I gave them a choice of three things. I think it was, do you guys want a course on... Um, business English, uh, idiomatic expressions, or it might have been slang or something like that. And they uh, almost unanimously voted for business English. And so that's the next course I produced. But I actually sold it before producing it. Ah, very good. So you validated it beforehand. Exactly. I put up a sign-up page. I said, it's going to be in August. Uh, You're going to receive one lesson a day for 30 days, and you can register and pay here. And that got about uh, uh, 20 signups, I think. Oh, wow. And then how did that make you feel compared to how you felt before? Uh, it made me feel like it was progress and that it was starting to get close to the wages I was earning from my offline teaching job. So I said, okay, if I can maybe just repeat this a couple more times, then it could really grow into something, something amazing. That's great. So were 20 people enough for you to say, okay, this is something worth building. Yes. When I started, Pat, I actually gave myself, I said, I will give myself one year and an investment of like maybe about $2,000 of my own money to do my best to make it work. Mm -hmm. If after that time period, it's really getting zero traction and really haven't seen any success, then I'm going to kind of give up and and go to something else. But if I can see even a little bit of traction, and this, I, I really felt 20 paying students was that little bit of traction that uh, was the base or the foundation for growth. And I said, you know what? Okay, I can keep going with this. And so I gave notice at the English school that I wouldn't be back for the next semester. Oh, wow. Very cool. Good for you. And then from there, how did you build out your course? What platform did you use? Or was it uh, just an email a day for 30 days? Tell us about the course and what that was like. I just try to keep it as simple as possible, right? Because when you have to produce a new lesson every day, you honestly don't have time to mm-hmm. like kind of tweak the the technology or, or whatever. So I just did, um, let me think, my first course, I think it was just text and audio. So I would type up a document in Word. I would record some audio on my computer. I would edit it myself and then send it out in an email just as a downloadable file. I didn't have any sort of membership site or it was really, really simple. Very cool. So it was just the people who pay, they were sort of 
subscribe to this email list or I don't know, maybe even just sent it to them manually. But again, you didn't let the technology or any of that stuff stop you from just delivering the content that you needed to deliver. And so after the 30 days uh, with those 20 students, how, how did it go? It went really well. And, you know, honestly, nobody complained like, oh, this is really, you know, unsophisticated or anything like that. They loved the content, you know, and uh, I got great emails. They said the content was really helpful. A lot of students couldn't actually keep up with the one lesson a day uh, pace. And so that was kind of food for thought. I was, Mm. you know, churning these lessons out, but it was actually overwhelming to, to some people. So, you know, more is not always better. Right. Right. But after that, I kind of thought, okay, well, why don't I take the second, uh, the second most voted choice in in that previous poll and mm-hmm. produced my next course about idioms, idiomatic expressions. And so that's what I did. I just rinsed and repeated, basically producing a course nearly every other month for the next several years. And you use the validation process for each of them, kind of pre-selling it before actually delivering that content? I did. And it really made me happy uh, to know that there were students who were actually waiting for the next lesson. It's the best motivation hack actually I've that's ever cool encountered. That is really cool. And what were the price points like for each of these courses, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, you know, I set it kind of low because I was in Brazil. I was in a developing country and I kind of knew based on the average salary what was kind of affordable. Mm -hmm. And so I set the price at about uh, $30 for 30 lessons, which is like it was um, expensive enough for me to feel like I was getting a fair price, but it was inexpensive enough that I knew it would be accessible to people from a number of different countries. Right. Very cool. And then so after these courses were done, what was sort of the next step for you? How did you uh, scale from there? Well, um, I was continually blogging during this time, right? So Mm -hmm. continuing to build up that whole library of content and, you know, increasing every month kind of traffic from Google. I had had an email list from day one, which was one of the great things I did. (laughs) Yeah, definitely better than me. That's for sure. So that's up around 80,000 people now, um, which is mind blowing. Uh, but basically, it was, it was just organic growth over time. People would share posts. Um, I would start to get some traffic from Facebook. I started repurposing my blog posts on YouTube. I would just uh, voice over some PowerPoint slides and put that up on YouTube. And now I've got about 80,000 followers on YouTube. So it was wow. just um, a little bit of being everywhere, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, blog, podcast, uh, but with the same content. I love that. I love that. I'm big on being everywhere, of course, and repurposing has been a big theme of mine lately, too. How are you able to grow your email list? So you have all these different pieces of content everywhere on the web. How are you actually converting people into your email list? 80,000 is not a small number. Congratulations. That's amazing. How are you able to do that? Well, from the beginning, I had a a little opt-in gift, right? Um, And it was interesting because I started out offering a grammar book and uh, people signed up for it. You know, they downloaded it. They told me they enjoyed it. But then I had an idea, okay, is grammar really the most attractive part of learning English? People don't really learn to speak a language because they really want to be good at grammar, right? They say, Mm -hmm. no, I want to speak. I want to be able to go to another country and communicate. So I actually changed out that opt-in gift uh, for a book of 500 real English phrases, kind of like a phrase book, which has text and audio. And that saw a big increase in my opt-ins, actually. So it was clear that I had struck more of a chord with the phrase book than with the grammar book. Very cool. And then how are you managing your email list currently? Like what, what tools are you using? How many emails are you sending out every week? Yeah, great question. So I'm on MailChimp, uh, have been since the beginning. And uh, initially, all I would do is just send out my latest blog post, right? It's kind of the simplest way to right. start communicating with your list. 
Um, eventually, I realized that I had a lot of blog posts that were awesome, but they were so far back in the archives that no one could find them, and I decided to create an autoresponder. So now when someone signs up, they get the welcome. Uh, the next email they get is actually uh, one from me that asks them about what their greatest challenge is when learning English, and I encourage them to reply, and then I reply to those replies. So it's just a little bit of interaction. It helps me keep a finger on the pulse of my audience. People kind of like having someone to talk to on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm not giving you know any live lessons, I only communicate by email. And then after that, uh, people get a lesson subscribers get a lesson, I think every three or four days as part of my autoresponder. I love that. I love that. It seems like everything's going extremely well now. Could you share, if possible, what the numbers are like now in terms of traffic and also income, if you're if you're uh, willing to share? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm looking at about half a million visits per month, uh, which is so cool when I consider those tumbleweeds in the first, you know, three or four months, right? Yeah. Wow. And let and the income is around 10,000 a month, which is awesome for me and my husband uh, and supported us in London for a while, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world. So after that, I felt pretty good about our ability to kind of live anywhere. Yeah, well, great job. Uh, congratulations on everything. I, th- I think it's fantastic. I'd love to rewind, though. Um, you had talked about some of those hard times in the beginning. And now even after you started pre-selling these courses and creating them and starting to see more students. Were there any thoughts in your head of like, you know, I don't know if this is actually going to work out for long term. What were some of the big struggles that you were going through in those beginning stages? There were absolutely um, thoughts like that and frustrations. And my main frustration was, why isn't this going faster? Mm. Because I kind of would read all these case studies or listen to these interviews and people would, you know, tell their story like, oh, I started this and then it took off. And I was like, well, Mine's not taken off. It's just sort of inching upward, sometimes downward, right? Because it <laughs> yeah. doesn't go steadily upward. Um, you know, you can see that from your own income reports as well. It's not a, a continuous, you know, march upward. Correct. Um, and I would kind of wonder, I really struggled for a while as as to, uh, is this is this going to go anywhere or is it going to plateau or, or fall off? But I realize now that I wasted a lot of mental energy worrying when I should have just been doing. Yeah, that's great advice. What made you, I mean, I think it's, a, it, people know that it's like one of those things, well, yeah, I know I have to go to the gym, but they still don't go anyway, even though they know they have to. When you finally realized that you were just wasting time worrying about it, what made you take action? Were there any, uh, I guess you could say productivity tips that you used or what, what, what actually got you moving? Well, a lot of it was actually, as I would communicate with my students, they would often finish a course and then ask me, when's the next one coming? I really want to learn about such and such topic. And I I would get excited about the idea and want to create it. And that kind of kept me going. So I would have this rhythm where it would be like a month, really intense working, you know, eight to 10 hours a day creating this course. And I'd have a month of kind of lighter, you know, decompression. Mm -hmm. Uh, But usually after, after about a month of decompression, I'd start to get excited about another idea. And so I would kind of ride the wave again to create my next course. I love that. I love that. I think entrepreneurs, we all feel that you know, wanting to always try something new. And you've kind of created a nice rhythm here where after one course is done, you can create a new one. Now, were you selling those older courses again to new people or was it kind of just a one and done kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, All my courses are open all the time. I don't do the open and close thing. And so as soon as I would create a new course, it would just get added to the courses page on my website. And if someone clicks on that, they can just kind of see all there's 12, nine or 10 or 12 of them, uh, just available side by side, and they can click on each one for details. So yeah, I was definitely uh, actively promoting those through the autoresponder as well. 
That's awesome. You know, I know from my own experience, the more product you add to sell, you know, the more, the, the faster uh, things start to grow. At what point did you feel like, wow, this is, this is, this is, this is like a legit business now. How many courses in until you kind of had that confidence? You know, it was about three years in, so somewhat oh, recently, wow. actually. But, you know, <laughs> I was actually holding on to a kind of quarter time day job uh, for a client who I used to work with some web development stuff uh, here in the U.S. And that was kind of my survival income. Right. You know, mm -hmm. if, if everything went wrong and Espresso English had been offline the whole month, I would at least be able to pay my rent and eat my rice and beans. Uh, <laughs> but about three years in, I started realizing that I you know, Espresso English had kind of hit the income targets I had hoped for, and I felt it was time to cut the cord to my day job. And that was really the definitive moment that I can support myself with this business. That's very cool. I love it. I love it. And in terms of the way your courses are developed now, is it still just, and I'm assuming it's not, but correct me if I'm wrong, you know, the sort of emailing the audio and the Word document, or are you using any more or different kind of platforms to deliver your content now? Yeah, definitely. So now I'm using member mouse. So what it looks like from the user's perspective is they see a course that's interesting, you know, they click on it, they buy it. And as they buy it, they also create a password. And as soon as they're finished with that transaction, they're already logged in to the site, and they mm -hmm. can go directly to the lessons and start taking them. And they also get an email kind of reminder with their uh, username and password. So it's really seamless and it doesn't have to have as much personal involvement from me. And it works really well. I've had very few students, you know, get lost in that process or fail to find their lessons. That's very cool. And are you creating videos for your courses now? Now I am, but they're actually still slideshow videos with my voice. And I'm eventually looking to transition more into uh, myself on camera, kind of interspersing it with you know, myself mm -hmm. and the slides, because I feel like it's more engaging. Um, but I've never really had a good environment to film before. So that's why I've shied away from that in the past. Uh, I see. So for the current videos that you do have with the slides and whatnot, how are you producing those? Well, I actually make the slides in PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And then you can then go two ways. PowerPoint actually has a narration feature. So you can record a narration as you click through the slides and then export that whole thing as a video. Now, I don't always say my audio perfectly the first time around. So I prefer to do it a little bit differently. I just export the PowerPoint slides as JPEGs. Mm -hmm. I record my audio separately in Audacity, and then I edit the audio and put the two together in Windows Movie Maker. And you know, that's not something that everybody needs to do themselves. You can also hire someone to do this, but I kind of enjoy doing it and don't mind it. So uh, for now, I still do all that myself. Oh, that's very cool. So, uh, so you have a PC, I assume, not a Mac, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay, so if you have a Mac, the way to do that would be uh, likely using Keynote instead of PowerPoint and then using something like ScreenFlow to record and you can then splice everything from there. So whether you record the audio separately on something like Audacity, which is a great tool, it's completely free, uh, or you could record it in ScreenFlow itself. So I just wanna make sure both sides get some some love there. But moving forward, I wanted to talk about, you know, cross promotion between your courses. I think, you know, the one thing I noticed from my own experience when more products come out is you have a lot more opportunities to, for example, sell somebody a package of two instead of one, or maybe some sort of deal, or maybe after they finish one course, they can then get just immediately into the next one. Do you have systems of automation in place to do that? Or how are you, uh, if you are, are you selling to your existing customers? 
Yeah. And actually, um, two of the best decisions that I ever made in my business, one was to do uh, tasteful upsells, what I call tasteful upsells on the product confirmation page. So, you know, when someone buys, they get to a page that says, you know, you have purchased successfully. And then there's two buttons. There's one that says go directly to your course. And then there's uh, uh, below it a description of another course that would make a great add-on and another button that says, yes, add this to my order. And I did it that way because I hate the in-your-face upsells with the red exclamation points and right, you know right. you can't get past the screen until you say no to the offer. But I felt like I would just want to give it, give people kind of like Amazon does, right? You know, just a suggested product that they might want to add. And I do see a lot of people taking me up on that. That's great. The other great decision was to actually put all of my products together into a single package, which I call the complete program. And I do a discount on that. It's 35% discount. So if someone doesn't know what to choose, they want they want all of it, they can actually buy all of it and get a, a more advantageous price for it. Very cool. What and, and what would that price point be for everything? 227. 227. Okay. So it's not it's not a low number. And you are seeing people buy that. Oh yeah. And you know, I actually saw an increase um well when two things happened. One is as I added more courses to the package, I think that that kind of decision fatigue set in for a lot of people and they kind of thought, you know what, I'm just going to get the whole collection right, instead right. of trying to make a decision. And the other thing I actually did is I offered to send people a USB drive in the mail with the complete program on it. So if they didn't want to deal with downloading eight gigabytes of um, videos or, you know, trying to wrangle all those files, it was just a little bonus and a little extra, you know, touch. Yeah, and I like that. People love it. You know, it's just a, you know, a $8 USB drive and a couple bucks to send it through the mail, but they so appreciate the convenience of having all the the course on that USB drive. And so that uh, increased my conversions on that page as well. Wow. That's, that's a super cool bonus. That, that is really cool. You know, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, I could kind of hear all the listeners gears going in their heads right now after you just said that. So that's really cool. Do you work on this business yourself or do you have other people helping you? Um, I've got one audio engineer who does my podcast, mm-hmm. but other than that, I'm the only one, although that may change in the near future. And why do you say that? Well, with 80,000 subscribers, the volume of email is getting kind of intense. I'm sure you can relate. Yes. So I think I would take on an assistant teacher to kind of help, you know, answer some questions, do a bit of customer support, uh, just so I can give people a more timely reply. Because sometimes I just I can't get to all of the all the messages. Yeah, I, I hear you on that one for sure. I mean, I did a whole episode with Jessica, my executive assistant, who helped me crush nearly 10,000 unread emails at one point because it was just getting completely overwhelming. Are you finding that you're experiencing some growing pains like that with the growth of your business at this point? I'd say the main one is definitely the the email. And there are some other things that I wish I could do a little bit faster, mm-hmm. um, like improving some of the current courses. You know, I kind of always feel this tension between creating new things and improving what I've already got, right? Because um, on the one hand, I love, you know, surging forward, you know, jumping into a new project. On the other hand, I'm also a perfectionist, and I really want to make sure what I have is, is good and solid and is the best it can be. And I know I could make faster progress if I took on some people to kind of help with that, but I'm still kind of hesitant to do so because there's the training involved and there's, I guess I'm very, maybe a little too particular about the way I like things done. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure I'll be able to move towards it. Uh, and I'm sure with the right people in place, they'll do an even better job than me. <laughs> that's what I found. That's that's for sure. There's a lot of great people out there who can do a lot of the work faster and, and greater, but I completely understand where you're coming from. 
another question I have is uh, related to the growth. Um, I've also experienced this sort of growing pain, and that is, you know, I'm unable to engage with as much of my audience as I'd like to. You know, in the beginning, I would reply to every single comment. I'd reply to every single email, like, within 10 minutes and reply to every single tweet and Facebook message, and people loved it. They noticed it, but then over time, as I've grown, it's just been very difficult to do. Are you doing anything to, you know, manage or the, the engagement of your audience a little better or streamline that process for you? You know, I experimented with webinars a while back because that's a good, you know, one-to-many type thing, right? Yeah, for um, sure. It wasn't successful from the point of a sales perspective. You know, I, I didn't get see this huge surge in sales, but I also didn't have any any sort of urgency or promotion. You know, like I know a lot of people use webinars for that purpose, mm-hmm. but I'm actually thinking of resurrecting uh, my webinar ideas just purely as an audience connection thing. You know, not even trying to sell, like just once a month, just opening it up to anyone who wants to join in the class. And I think it would be nice just from a teaching and, and connecting point of view. Yeah, I, I actually have thought about doing that myself. There are a lot of different platforms that you can use to do something similar. Uh, you know, webinars are great because you're collecting those email addresses, you know, of course, which uh, if people, even if they're on your list already, if they share it with somebody new, they're going to be on your list at some point, the, the, the new people that they're sharing with. There's also the live stuff that's happening on Facebook and, and you know, that's another platform that could potentially be helpful. So if you have an audience on Facebook already, you know, you might want to experiment with doing some Facebook live streams there too, because those get shared and are a higher reach than other kinds of content on Facebook. And then finally, there's other platforms like, there was one called Blab and there's other ones like Periscope, you know, for live stream stuff. There's another one called Huzzah that I was recently introduced to, H-U-Z-Z-A dot C-O, I think is what it is. It's, It's sort of like Blab, but it's cool because you can have other people's videos on there too, and it's all live. So you can have up to four people talking live at the same time. So you could even invite, for example, a student to come on and you can have a lesson one-to-one with him or her while everybody is watching live and have a chat at the same time. But the cool thing about Huzzah is you can actually collect your email addresses too at the same time. So there's a little less barrier to entry to watch and as opposed to like a webinar where you know they have to register and then they have to download the software. And you know for some, uh, it, it's a little bit too much, but Anyway, I just I love the idea, Shane. I think it's great. You are a teacher, and you know the best way to teach. And I think uh, you can just see the value of doing something live, whether it's no, no matter what platform it is. I think that's a great idea, and that can also just build trust with you and authority more. And then eventually, they're going to get to a point where they're on your course page or they're on your ebook page. And I think I think that's really smart. Yeah, no, those are awesome ideas, Pat. Thank you. Um, I think one thing that has stopped me from doing live things in the past is that perfectionism, and I realized that. You know, these live things, they don't have to be perfect, right? People don't expect them to be. Exactly, it's not a, exactly. It's not a course. If you misspeak or if you uh, stutter a bit, whatever it is, you know, people understand that it's just an off-the-cuff thing. You're just providing some helpful info in kind of a casual way. And so I I think that's probably a, the case for a lot of people, right? They don't want to do the live webinar because it's, it's nerve-wracking. You feel like you have to be perfect right. and nail every sentence, but you really don't. You're absolutely right. You're right. There's less expectation to be perfect on something live. Um, And I think that's what makes it great. That's what brings the character out. And when people begin to ask questions and you interact with them, you know, your real answers come out and they know that it's just happening in real time. It wasn't prepared. And I think that puts you more on an expert level. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Man, Shana, this has been a great conversation. I'm just so happy to hear about your success. And I'm so thankful that you were very honest about the way that you got here. It wasn't all of a sudden like you mentioned, but, you know, it was just a slow and steady race. And, you know, you're you're doing amazing now. So congratulations on all the success. If you had one final tip to share with everybody out there who maybe 
in that in those trenches in the beginning days of their blog or business or podcast or whatever, and they're just not seeing that growth, what tip would you have for them to, uh, you know, get through that and to start to see some success at some point? Oh, I would definitely say um, approach it like a scientist. So one of my big problems, as I mentioned, was I would get so emotionally invested in the success of, you know, these projects and this business that if something failed, I would just be a wreck or I would, you know, really lose heart. And Mm -hmm. instead, if you kind of approach it like a scientist, you know, say, okay, I'm doing an experiment. Maybe it will work. Maybe it will flop. Maybe it will kind of work. Uh, Then I'll analyze, learn from it and move on to the next experiment. You can kind of make progress in a way that's not quite such a roller coaster of emotions. You know, the emotions are going to be there, but, uh, you know, you can distance yourself a bit and kind of focus on the facts and what's working and what's not working and then keep going with what's working. I love it, Shana. That's fantastic advice. Thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your story here. I think it's going to really inspire a lot of people. If you wanted to let people know where they can go and find out more information about you, where would you have them go? Can I give you three websites? Yeah, let's do it. Well, it'll all be in the show notes, obviously. So, you know, our listeners know that uh, they can just go to the website. So put them out there. It'll, it'll, we'll have the links on the website. So what are they? Awesome. So my main business site, as we mentioned, EspressoEnglish.net. Then I have a personal blog, which is, you know, life, entrepreneurship, and travel at adventurous-soul.com. And finally, I'm actually, you know, starting a podcast on entrepreneurship. And I really want to focus on entrepreneurs who are, like you said, kind of in the trenches and who are success stories in progress. Let me put it that way. I love that. Um, and that's going to be called entrepreneursinmotion.com. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are maybe in that category. Uh, and I love that you featured some of them on the show. So yeah, that's the that's the goal. Definitely one of the fan favorites here. So I think it's going to be a great podcast. So I'll have the show notes available on the website. I'll share that link for, uh, with everybody in just a sec. But again, Shana, just thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Pat. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Shana from EspressoEnglish.net. And also she has that a personal blog of hers, which you can find at adventurous-soul.com. Shana, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. Great success story. And it just shows you that, you know, things don't happen overnight, but they will happen if you keep putting in the work and serve your audience. That's really what it's all about. Guys, I've, I've really been enjoying this podcast and I will continue to do it in the future for you. I know a lot of you have taken the information that I've shared here, the interviews that we've done uh, with other experts and other people and, and have actually taken action with it. And I just love you for that. I, I'm so thankful that I have an audience who uh, is actually not just learning, but learning and putting things into place to make change in their lives and the lives of others too. I mean, we're all here to serve other people, I hope. Um, but I know a lot of you also need a little bit more help. Uh, I've been getting messages left and right from people who have been asking for more and, and deeper information about certain things. So what I've done is that I've actually put together a number of courses, and there's more courses coming in the future thanks to your recommendations. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses, you'll see a list of the courses that are currently available there or that you can sign up for the wait list for. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. Check it out. Thanks again. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in next week's episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. 
Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.